CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm Rachel True. And I'm Trent Venegas. And you're listening to Quoting Gene Roddenberry. The 100-day podcast that celebrates what would have been the 100th birthday of that guy that created Star Trek. Each day between now and the end of our podcast, August 19th, one of Star Trek's biggest icons, or celebrity fans, or both, will be quoting Gene Roddenberry. Then we're going to take a deep dive into why we think this sci-fi legend still has a lot to say to the world. Today's quote is read by the fabulous Michelle Hurd. Stepping on a planet where anyone that does even the slightest thing wrong, such as dropping a candy wrapper, is immediately shot down, doesn't mean they aren't just as law-abiding as we are. Because the truth is, some of our laws are just as arbitrary and foolish. So it will be a discussion of what is arbitrary, what is foolish, what is law enforcement, what is the purpose of it. Wow. How amazing did Michelle Hurd read that quote. Fantastic. Uh, I would like to welcome back once again our guest host this week, Norman Lau, who is one of the fantastic co-hosts of the Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, Mission Log. Welcome back, Norman. Thank you so much for having me on again. So this quote, there's a lot. There is. And I think that I'd like to start off this conversation with with an example of, I think, where where Gene was at the time. Now, this was this quote was from 1988 mm-hmm. and Star Trek The Next Generation was just in, I guess, its infancy. There's an episode from the first season called Justice. And this is the episode where Wesley Crusher, well, the away team plus Wesley Crusher, they beam onto a planet where Wesley finds some friends and he ends up running into a basically a protected area of plants. In doing so, and not understanding the warning because it was written in an alien language, Wesley is therefore arrested and then sentenced to death. Mm -hmm. Sentenced to death. Ignorance of the law is not defense of the law. That is what their their, uh, authorities told Picard. But then Picard said, well, I understand that. But we can't let you put him to death regardless of your cultures or laws. Mm -hmm. So I found this particularly about Star Trek and for what Gene is saying here as both an exploration and a condemnation of what the Federation stood for at the time. And but also uh, let's think about the 80s, right? That's when I first started hearing uh, uh, cases of someone going over to Thailand, a white guy and uh, Mm -hmm. partying up and getting drunk and doing drugs and then he gets caned. Right. Mm -hmm. Or worse, you know, in certain areas, certain places, you get your hand chopped off. Right. If you're stealing. And one of the things that I resonate actually with in this quote is that we as Americans have such a judgment about other cultures and how they handle their business. right? Right. And I've always thought I may not. I don't agree. I don't want my hand chopped off. But at the same time, I get that if I go somewhere else, I've got to kind of learn their cultures, respect, uh, because I'm there as a visitor, period, mm-hmm. even if I don't agree with them. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a tough thing, right? That's a, that's a tough thing. But, but it relates 
very strongly to, I think, I'm wondering if this episode came out of the news, frankly, like what was starting to be reported a lot about how Americans were treated over, over. I'm not saying Roddenberry was that pedestrian as me, but I think, though, that that's when America first started hearing. Uh, but you know what I can even equate it to, by the way? The way Americans freak out. I'm an animal lover. I got mm-hmm. cats. I love animals. But we literally will go to war for somebody eating a dog somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And yet it's an animal. We eat animals. How is it any different than a cow, mm-hmm. frankly? Mm-hmm. So I think when people judge certain societies that do that, and I don't want to eat a dog, trust me. But I think you eat that chicken. Keep eating that chicken. Keep eating that beef and with your judgment instead of your understanding. I think you're exactly right about that that incident with the caning. We tend to think uh, from a American point of view that we do things the right way. We set the standard and everyone should follow the way that our laws are. And when these kinds of situations make us consider our own laws. So if we look at a foreign country's laws and we find them barbaric, they very well may be. But our laws can be just as barbaric and we need to be we need to be honest about that and see that in ourselves. Did you guys know that I think it was South Carolina just yesterday was like, hey, we ran out of um, injections to legally kill people. So we've put firing squads back in the mix. In wow. That is horrifying. Yeah, I know. That is horrifying. So back to the quote, right? Well, it will be a discussion of what is arbitrary, what is foolish, what is law enforcement stands out real big to me mm -hmm. after 2020. But Norman, what do you say? Well, I think, you know, going all the way back to to the very first choice that we make and the choice that that choice isn't even really made by us. It's made for us. It's the choice of either religion or following our very first law, if you will, mm-hmm. the law of our parents, the parents, our discipline, uh, the law of religion, the law of of putting a structure into our lives before we even have a chance to even understand what independent thought really means. So mm-hmm. when you think about it that way, we are all born into some type of already predestined, predetermined box of how we're supposed to this believe. This is why think. I thank my stepmother for not making us go to church. And she goes, that was your father. He was the, he was the atheist up until like his deathbed, and then he was the biggest Jew you ever found. I mean, religion for the longest time, and it still is. It is this. It's a set of laws that are governed by. And I don't want to. I don't want to insult anybody out there, but let's take the Force for example. The Force is a religion for the Jedi. Mm. The Force is intangible. It is an energy field that combines everything, all living things. It's something that helps govern lives, but it also puts barriers in front of those lives or between those lives. So once those barriers are set and those religious laws are enacted, culturally and also governmentally, those laws, they they, uh, perpetuate themselves into local, state, federal laws because those are all based on some type of governance of discipline and or fear. I want to jump in and say I wish that um, uh, people who are considered minorities, right? I hate that word, but in this mm. country, I would I would love for us minorities to consider what the um, people in the KKK or racist groups did in the '90s. They told us they were going to do it. They said in the documentaries I watched back then, we're no longer going to wear skinhead outfits. We're going to uh, assimilate. We're going to get into business. We're going to get into the police force. We're going mm-hmm. to get into all these things. So they are here now, 25 years later. They are infiltrated, and I say, you know. why say to us uh, people who are non-white like hey man 
the counteraction to that is us mm -hmm. getting involved in that. Right. right? Well, it's always eternal vigilance, really. Eternal. That's right. a good word for it, actually. Mm -hmm. I will say this is a super long quote, actually, and mm -hmm. very deep, right? It's talking about how we jump on this planet and we immediately shoot it down and, and all of these things. So I think the moving into the future for me is how do we have a discussion that exacts change? Many times in science fiction, what we tend to see is the colonization of other planets, but colonization is also analogous to imperialization. So when you take the, the imperialization of, say, a united Earth and they go into another planet or another colony, it's very well possible that we aren't actually welcome there. However, much like going back to justice, the reason why Picard was able to do what he did is because, to be vulgar about it, he had the bigger guns. <laughs> so when you have mm -hmm. the bigger guns, then why do you really need to have uh, oversight over your own ability to exact justice or law? If you have that and no oversight over that, then exactly what is the purpose of law enforcement if you are always the governing force of wherever you are? And then, and then let's talk about what are our laws. Like when I was born, it wasn't legal for my parents to be married in some states. I mean, that's the truth, you know? Uh, so that was a law. And then there's still laws on the books, by the mm -hmm. way. Like, you can't, you can't have an ice cream on the left side of the street on the second Sunday. There's weird laws like that that are still on the books in small towns at different places. So, uh, you know, it, it's a real sticky, wicked of a conversation because in the end, like, law enforcement, right? When I was coming up, they were called, uh, in New York City, I'm a beat cop. He was call called a peace officer, hmm. actually. And he was supposed to be friendly to us kids. And we, di we didn't fear him the way I fear police officers today, by the way. And I'm treated pretty well when I've had encounters. And I'm treated poorly sometimes. But we didn't fear them. We wasn't our buddy-buddy, but we knew if something went down, right, that guy would help us. Um, I don't know that that's the case in law enforcement today. It almost seems like a little bit of a police state, you know, when we're younger, we're taught to look for a police officer when you're lost, right? So we're taught at a young age to look at police officers or people in uniform as places to go for help because they're going to help us. No matter who we are, we are taught as children, uh, they are there to help us. But as we grow older, depending Black on who we are. Black people that. Black people aren't taught that. <laughs> well, let me say that I was taught that. I was taught okay. that in the suburbs of suburban Detroit. I grew up in the suburbs in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, the only Mexican kid That's on my block. That's a very Middle Eastern area now, right? Oh, Doesn't yes. Dearborn have a very huge um, Middle Eastern population? I believe. I'm excited about. Yeah, I believe it's the highest concentration of Middle Eastern people outside of the Middle East. Gotcha. But, but let me just say in a gen more general sense, uh, we're taught to look to people in uniform or authority figures as those who will help us if we need help. If someone steals your purse, you call the police. If someone breaks into your home or if you're threatened, you call the police because we're, the assumption is that they are there to protect us and to help us and to bring us justice. So the last part of this quote, what is law enforcement? What is the purpose of it? In an ideal sense, what do we think that law enforcement should be versus what it actually is? 
Mm-hmm. It should be Batman. Like it should be like what Batman does. Well, <laughs> Batman's Batman? a vigilante. No, Batman's it should be Batman. Are no, we talking like 1966 Batman? Or are we talking like? <laughs> you know, I know, right? Ben Affleck, I guess, Batman, right? No, it shouldn't be vigilantes, but it should be to protect and serve. Serve. And that's serve. I, 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 yeah, I wanted to bring that up to uh, Rachel because on the poli- many police cards say to protect and serve. So the definition of protection, mm-hmm. the protection of service. What does that mean? You know, who are they protecting and what are they serving? To some, you know, they still believe that they are protecting and serving the public trust. To others, some people believe they're protecting and servicing their masters. You know, there is a certain belief system out there that the masters of, of capitalism and the status quo are the ones that own the police force. Some people have brought that up many times last year when they were talking about the, the, the rapid engagement of literally better armed police units than the National Guards themselves. Mm. How does that happen? Where does that come from? It's that because the police force is there to protect those people that have influence. So I believe. I, I, listen, I agree with that. I'm I'm cynical girl today, and I a thousand percent agree with that. Are these forces out there to protect the average, you know, John Q. Public, or is it to protect the capitalistic, in, you know, uh, investment made uh, by someone at the top? I mean, there's a huge echo chamber out there in social media when it comes to being able to cherry pick examples of who's protecting who, who's serving who, and kind of like the flip side of that and, and twisting the truth to fit the narrative. But mm-hmm. I think that, you know, uh, I don't think that we are all naive enough to believe that the police are there to serve the public trust. But then again, there are great examples of, of, of the police forces being able to come together with their communities to be able to serve what they can service as opposed to what they are allowed to service. Sometimes I, I think, think that. It, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh no no no! Please. please. <laughs> <laughs> I was Jinx. just going to say in America, though, too, when we think about um, the changes in the police force, too, right? So Reagan in the eighties, they did away with a lot of institutions where we housed people who had um, mental psychological problems, right? They were all put out on the street. Thus, mm-hmm. that's why our homeless population exploded as well, and then. What I found interesting about that is we've sort of criminalized them for mm-hmm. being homeless, first mm-hmm. of all, which is insane. But we're asking our peace officers, police officers to be social workers, and they are not trained in that, right? There are plenty right. of uh, circumstances where a social worker would be more uh, more advantageous. Or it makes me sad when I see in America that someone has to write on their garage, autistic person living here. If the mm. If you are police and should come, please know that he's going to make noises and grunt. And they have that, I saw someone with that stenciled on their garage because they know that today's police officer will just shoot them for being non-compliant. Yeah. You know? Getting back to that episode that you mentioned, Justice, where Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing that I I also remember from that episode was as soon as they they landed, they saw it as a utopian society. It was so perfect. Everything was Mm -hmm. perfect. And then we found out why, because they were so punitive. Um, It reminds me of, so I have friends who, when they international friends who have visited the United States for the first time and how shocked they were with how militarized they thought that the police force was walking around with their hands on guns. Some of them have like shotguns on their, on their motorcycles. And it's very different from where they come from, you know, in from other countries. And it's, that's that very same thing. Like 
it's it's although when i was in greece man at the airport they had tanks and machine guns Mm -hmm. you know so i was like that's not what we have here anyway this is a very intricate quote and by the way i want to give shout out to my girl michelle hurt i love her i think she's so fabulous she's one of my my blonde black girl tribe (laughs) (laughs) letting people know there can be blondes in all flavors but i think i think in circling back to what is arbitrary and foolish about laws is I think that when you take a law or the enforcement of laws to the extremist point of view, you're only really servicing the point of view. You're not servicing Mm -hmm. the people who it's supposed to protect and serve. Mm -hmm. And I think that happens because we have lost the ability for diplomacy within those particular modes of law enforcement. The, The people are never really talked to anymore. You know, they're only really commanded. And I don't think that's a respectful way to approach a group of people. I think that the the ability to negotiate needs and understanding will go a long way to diffuse certain situations because people want to be respected. They want to be respected in their communities. No, yeah. I, Norman, that's such a good and, and, and succinct point. I mean that. It's almost as if police officers these days treat people as if they are a sergeant in the military and I'm right. a grunt yep. coming in, right? Uh, and that's not uh, that's not community. That's not conducive to a neighborhood dialogue. Anyway, we could go on and on and on about this because it's an interesting topic and you guys have such good things to say. Um, but we can't. So we want to thank Norman C. Lau for joining us. And if you would like to catch his podcast, Mission Log, please tell people where they can, Norman. Well, it's pretty difficult since you just already said it. So it's missionlogpodcast.com <laughs> on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And if you would like to watch the video of Michelle Hurd reading today's quote, you can check it out on the official Roddenberry social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we hope you'll join us tomorrow for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Quoting Gene Roddenberry. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's quote. So tweet us. Post us, DM us, whatever. We're at Roddenberry on Twitter and Facebook and at Roddenberry Official on Instagram. Quoting Gene Roddenberry is a Roddenberry podcast hosted by me, Rachel True. And me, Trent Venegas. Producing are Claire Kramer and Kelsey Goldberg with executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Engineering and editing are provided by Elizabeth Joy Windham. And special thanks to all those who were kind enough to read a quote and give a voice to Gene Roddenberry's everlasting words. Live long and prosper. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.